Life Audio. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm your host, Nicole Eunice, and I am just delighted to walk through Scripture with you each and every week. We are having such a good time here in 2024. I feel like it's just nice sometimes to turn the page, and oftentimes, of course, Circumstances in our life stay the same. They don't react necessarily to a turn of the calendar, but I think our hearts, our perspective, our attitude can be adjusted, especially when we get a chance to reset. So that's what we're doing here in this new year as we're looking at some words to build our lives upon for 2024 straight out of Scripture. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening, who should call right now? Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So before we get into that, though, I just want to thank you guys for all of you who are new, who've just found this podcast. We are so glad that you're with us. And I get to kind of take a look at our tracking and our stats. And so I know that many, many of you have come because you found this 2024 series, but then I love that you've gone back to the beginning and I've listened to the beginning episodes of this podcast because in those first few episodes, we really lay out this Bible study method, which by the way, newsflash people, this is not new. I did not invent this. We just put some new words and maybe some fresh language around a pretty simple approach to how we can study scripture together. And my heart and my intention is that you would experience God more and more deeply through your study of the Word, that you wouldn't necessarily have to rely on a devotion or a Bible study written by a person, but that you could go to your Bible yourself and really encounter and experience God each and every day. 
I love Bible studies. I write Bible studies. I love being a pastor. I love being a Bible teacher. So, and we're here on this podcast for that reason, right? But if this is your only way of experiencing God, I just think there's there's so much more that he has for you. And only God can fully know you. Only God can fully enter in with you in your life. Only God knows exactly what he has for you and your decisions and your relationships. And so my deep desire is that you would sort of build a hunger and thirst for God's word and maybe, you know, sort of get some direction here and sort of understand how you can approach scripture. But that's what we're doing. We always just take our Bibles, our study Bibles, and we'll make sure we link a study Bible recommendation in this podcast as well. But we love our study Bible. That's the only investment I ask that you consider making as you consider being in this podcast with us. So because that's what we're here to do. We're here to explore God's word together. So thank you. Thank you for being with us. And thanks for listening to those early episodes. A couple of announcements too coming up, just letting you know I've got a new book coming out in March. A lot of you guys know about that. You've already gone over to my website and downloaded the first chapter. Would love for you to come to my website, grab that first chapter, check out this new book. It's called Not What I Signed Up For. And we're going to do a special series on Not What I Signed Up For together here on the podcast, probably in late spring. I want to give you a chance to have the book and have the Bible study And we'll go a little deeper in those ideas of what does it look like to find resilient faith when life doesn't go the way we expected. So I'm looking forward to to that study with you guys as well. You can go over to my website and jump on our email list. We have newcomers each and every day. So I'm really glad to have you guys over there and to continue our connection over there. Okay, so here we are. We are working through these words that can align our lives for the year. And like I said, there's nothing special or magical about having a word for the year. It's an option. Um, There's also nothing special or magical about these five words that I chose. These are just the words when I prayed for you, when I prayed over this year. These are the words from Scripture that God gave me. There's many other promises in Scripture that God might be pointing you to for your year, but these encompass a lot of what God promises to us when it comes to following Jesus. So I wanted to use these words as sort of a a grounding point for the year. And we have already covered joy and trust and courage. And today we are going to talk about the word restore. And what does it mean that God promises to restore us? And I think this word particularly can have a lot of emotion to it because we can have a very, very strong vision when things are broken, when things are difficult, it's it's a, we have a very strong vision of what it would look like for those things to be unbroken or those things to not be difficult right we don't we don't just enter in a lot of times to a life with god where we just think okay god whatever you have for me we might say whatever you have for me with our mouths but our hearts are like well but this is actually what i want you to have for me like as long as what you have for me is health and happiness and wealth then yes that's what i want you know and we don't really want to admit that, but let's be real, you guys. Like we all know that we live in a world that paints a very distinct picture of what a happy and successful life looks like. And then here we are as believers saying, "Man, I am a person of trust and joy and direction, and yet I have to live into this world where there's a gap between maybe what the world says makes for a good life and then what I'm trying to pursue what God says is a good life." And so one of those main things that we have to understand is what does God do with brokenness? What does God do with these hard things in your life, whether that thing is in your past or it's ongoing? We all have them. 
we don't all talk about them, but we all have them. We all have those gaps in our life where we're like, oh, is God going to do something? Is God going to work in this place? I see God do things for others. Will he do those things for me? So this word can be really loaded when we when we talk about the idea of God restoring us. So I want to try to do my best over the next few minutes to just point us to a few places in scripture that talk about what this idea of being a restored person who not only experiences the restoration of God in our own lives, but actually becomes a person who is a restorer. So we're going to talk about both of those. And the first place we're going to start is in Isaiah 58. Guys, I just reread this chapter again, preparing for our time. And I'm like, man, this is this is one of those chapters where I just think, I just wish all of us could just memorize it. <laughs> like it's it's such a framework for what it means to engage in the world and to engage with God. It's just it's just fascinating. So Isaiah 58 is going to give us a vision and and God's basically asking the question like what does it look like to be a person who follows me? And he's engaging with his people to talk about what it looks like to be a person who's following him. And so they start off in this in the beginning of chapter 58 and we see that there is a humility, right? Like that they're coming to God and God is recognizing, oh, you're a person who comes to me for decisions. You come to me with humility. And then you say that these are the good things that you're doing for me, which of course we all fall into this trap. Lord, when are you going to restore me? I go to church. I give money to the church. I read my Bible. I don't, you know, I try to follow the 10 commandments. I pay my taxes, whatever that thing is for you that you say about your life when you're like, I'm doing good. And, And God gives a correction to his people in Isaiah 58. And basically what he does is he moves everything from outside action to what is the state of your heart? And then that, how does that inform your action? So he, he calls out hypocrisy. He calls out the idea that you can say that you're being holy, but if you quote, this is in verse four, if your fasting ends in quarreling and strife, if you exploit your workers, if you strike each other, if you, you do these things where you're not actually engaging fully in what it means to follow me. If you if you think that fasting is about just looking a certain way, this is basically my paraphrase, and you're not sharing your food with the hungry and providing for the poor, and you're not um, seeking to be a person who brings justice to the earth, then you're not really following me, is what God is saying. So it's pretty, pretty harsh words, right, at the beginning. This is chapter 58, verses 1 through 7. But the part I want to get into right now is when he starts talking about what it would look like to do the things that God says. And it starts off in verse 8. I'm going to go 8 through 12 for us right here. And you'll hear it in verse 12, that little word, restore. So listen for that. So God says to his people, if you do all these things that we're talking about in verse 1 through 7, then he says, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, 
restorer of streets with dwellings. Okay, so I know this is a little far afield to try to grab all of this in this couple of minutes, but I like to think of Isaiah 58 as a a vision, a picture that God is painting for us of what it can look like to be a person who is following him. If you notice in this theme, as I'm thinking about what does this say, there's plenty of trouble that continues to go on in this chapter. It it doesn't say, if you follow me, you're not going to have a hard time. It actually says, if you follow me, then when you cry for help, I'll be there. And if you if you follow me, I'll have a light come in the darkness. And and if you follow me, even when you're in a sun-scorched land, you will experience a refreshment. You will be like a well-watered watered garden. So it's kind of this idea of staying in, you're going to continue to be in a troubled world, but you're going to experience that troubled world differently. I think it's really important, particularly when we're reading the prophets, when we're reading poetry, to remember that God is an artist. God is not just a scientist. He's everything everything that God created has come from his being. So there is as much of an artist and creative and beauty part of God as there is the science and the chemistry and the objectivity of who God is. And when we read poetry, we're reading this creative picture that God is giving us. And he gives us this creative picture that a person whose actions are aligned with their heart who don't just do religious things, but actually embody God's design and desire for people to care for the hungry, to care about the oppressed. As you do those things, you're going to experience restoration in your life and you yourself are going to be a restorer. And that is a very different picture, my friends, I'm just going to be honest with you, than the one that comes to mind when I think about what it means to have a good life. Like, If you just go to your snap judgment of what does it mean to have a good life, usually we're thinking happy, healthy, prosperous. And what God is saying is, no, you're going to be a part of not only being a restored person who is a person who brings refreshment everywhere you go, but you are going to be able to restore other people. And that is a vision we can have for what it means that God invites us to a life where restoring and restoration is a big part of it. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. So inside of that vision, which is sort of very, like I said, it's very nebulous and abstract. Maybe hopefully it's encouraging to you to think about that idea. But I also want to bring it way down to the practical because God is also practical and show you a couple of places in Scripture that specifically promise what kind of restoration we can 
pray for, we can claim that God is giving into our life. And I want to go over four kinds of restoration real briefly, four things God promises to restore. First one is in Psalm 51, 12. And here it says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So I'm going to say that again. This is a prayer that a psalmist prays. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Now, friends, that is a prayer that I would not only encourage you to pray every day. I I would as, as strongly as I could possibly say to you as your pastor and your Bible teacher, pray this prayer every day. If you find yourself burdened by the world, if you find yourself weighed down, pray this prayer. God, restore to me today the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit. And to me, a willing spirit means my ears are open, God, to what you are doing. I am going to engage in my life with intention today that everywhere I go and everything that happens is by design and you are inviting me to be a willing participant in my life. God, restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Now, for some of y'all, you just need to turn off the podcast. Like, that's all you need to hear. <laughs> that's what restore means. That's where you need to go with it. And that's a beautiful reality. I myself am super encouraged to be like, oh, yes, this is like such an important prayer that I love to pray that I want to have that frame of mind, that attitude of heart. Every time I leave, you know, as soon as I engage the world in the morning, each morning, I want to have that attitude. That is something that God promises to give us. Second thing God promises to give us, he promises that he will restore our life. It says in Psalm 71, verse 20. Now, let me turn to that one. The other one I had memorized, but let's see. Psalm 71, verse 20. It says this, though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. Mm. I love, love, love that one because that one acknowledges that there are troubles and it gives us that sense of being okay with being in a place where perhaps you are feeling or experiencing a lot of trouble. It's it's being okay with the idea that you could be in a place that maybe doesn't feel much different than 2023 or, or even 2022. It feels like it's more of the same or, or you're not sure you can you can endure the, the troubles that are in your life and, and you need the Lord to come and And there's something about the way that that psalm, that prayer is written, that both acknowledges the hardship of the reality, but it also gives hope that God can change things and God will change things. And we can rest and rely on that truth. The second way that God restores our life, we find in 1 Peter 5, verse 10. And it says, in the God of all grace, who called you to his his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So both of those passages talk about the trouble that we experience, but they also lay out a hope for the future. Did you know, no matter what, you will be restored? Now, what I mean by no matter what is that you might not experience this in your earthly life. You may not experience it the way that you expect, but God continually says that in the eternal, we will experience full restoration. It says that he will restore everything. That's our that's our next one of what God promises to restore. God actually promises to restore everything. That is part of the reality of the kingdom of God advancing 
and what will happen when Jesus comes again. When Jesus comes again, all wrongs will be made right and all things will be restored. Now, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I certainly want to experience it. Sounds amazing. You know, I mean, I don't even know how that's possible, but but it is possible in God's kingdom because he says it is. It says this about Jesus, heaven, this is Acts 3, 21. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. There will be a day and a time. It is already on the calendar of God that all things will be restored. Everything that has been broken will be made new. Everything that is wrong will be made right. Everything we experience, I mean, I don't even think we can fully acknowledge the weight of the sin of the world and what it has done to the world, that there will come a time where all of that will be lifted. It's just, it's a beautiful picture of what God does. And he says, not only will we, I restore everything, but you are included in that. You yourself, my friend, you are included in that when you are in Christ. Everything that is hard, that is broken, that is wrong, every part of life that feels unredeemed, unreconciled, there will become a day where God will restore every single thing. Everything will be restored. We don't know how. We don't know what that's going to look like, but we can trust and hope in what God has said will be true. That idea of God will restore everything is sort of talked about in the Old Testament. I want to connect this for you briefly in case you've ever read this phrase, which shows up like almost 20 times in Scripture. It's a particular phrase, which is God restore our fortunes. Restore our fortunes is a word that is used often in the prophets. This idea that God is going to restore our fortunes is an exclusively Old Testament phrase. So this Old Testament phrase, restore our fortunes, O Lord, it shows up in Psalms, it shows up in Jeremiah, it shows up again in Ezekiel, it shows up in Hosea, it shows up in Amos, in Joel, in Zephaniah, all of these places where it says, God will restore their fortunes. I'll restore the fortunes of Judah, of Jerusalem, the fortunes of my people, the fortunes of Jacob, the, the fortunes of Sodom and Samaria, like all of this. It's, it's every single name is not every name, but it seems like most of the big names in the Old Testament are mentioned about having their fortunes restored. All of that is around this idea of those who have turned away will turn back again. <laughs> like it's kind of a full circle kind of thought. And I think it's interesting that it only appears in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament is where we read that Acts chapter four verse, the one we just read that said, as it was promised in the prophet in the prophets, Jesus himself will restore all things. So this concept, this Old Testament concept of fortunes, isn't like money in the bank. It's not like gold coins. Whenever I hear fortunes, I think about like Indiana Jones and, and some sort of cave of riches that we're all gonna find. It's not that. It's restore our health, our well-being, our our fullness, our experience of being fully alive and fully known and fully able to engage in this world. It's this concept of fullness and repair and reconciliation and restoration all sort of wrapped up in this idea that we would have a place that would be safe, where we would be fully ourselves, where we could experience the riches of God in every way. It's a very much a Garden of Eden type sort of image, right? And all of that, all of that of restoring our fortunes is not about your financial like landscape in your life right now. It's about this idea that God is the one who makes all things whole and all things new. And yes, I do think that we experience pieces of this on earth. I, I think we can pray for restoration here on earth. We can pray for God to do 
restoring work in our families and in our communities, in our relationships, in our churches, in our countries. Like we can pray for God's restoration, but we need to know that our eternal hope is in the fullness of restoration that will happen. And that just because you don't experience restoration on your terms today doesn't mean that God is not at work. And it doesn't mean that God is not active. So we have to find that way to say, okay, Lord, although you are allowing me to see trouble, as it says in the Psalm, you will restore me. And I can continue to put my hope there. And I can ask you, as it says in Isaiah 58, to meet me when I cry for help in the place that you've put me, right? Like I can ask you to restore to me the joy of my salvation in this everyday life while also holding on to that hope that yes, there will come a time where all things will be made new, where everything will be restored. And I do think we're going to look back on our earthly lives and be like, wow, that was short. <laughs> wow, we really caught up to a lot of stuff. And, and God had something beautiful and magnificent and full and, and restored in ways that we can't even fully comprehend here on earth. Like he has all of that for us. It is what we are going to experience when we see Jesus face to face, when we live in the fullness of the kingdom of God. So that is for all of us. And yes, can it change the way you engage at work on Wednesday? I believe it can. I really believe that it can. And it all goes back to that prayer, right? Father, when I wake up in the morning, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Grant me a willing spirit, willing to live into the truth. Grant me the willing spirit to sustain me. All right, y'all. I hope that's encouraging to you as you consider the word restore for 2024. Talk to you next week. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air. They're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.